0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Sports Industry Podcast. Today we're talking all about Super Netball and its TV audiences, Brisbane Olympic initiatives and the new broadcast deal. All that and more, coming right up. hello and hello and welcome to another episode of the big footy industry podcast today i'm talking all about super netball with former nine netball data analyst michael hutchinson good afternoon good afternoon thanks for having me now there's a a lot to talk about because obviously the super netball season has just finished it's been a, a big year for them with all the moving around and stuff how did they handle all the uh moving around the lockdowns the hubbing and everything else
1: well there wasn't much complaints publicly, but I would also assume that there probably wasn't too many complaints privately either. Um, Many have said that this year was far more difficult than last year. They knew very early on last year that they would be in a hub. They just didn't know where. At the last minute it was said that it would be in Queensland and off they did and and spent um, the 14 rounds plus plus three weeks of finals up in Queensland this year. There was a lot of moving around from different clubs there was a hub in brisbane there was one in melbourne um adelaide for some of the teams as well and then it finished up being in brisbane again much like it was last year um i'm certain that netball australia were ecstatic that they could get the 17 week season done and dusted in the time frame that they wanted to um but given the ongoing COVID situation, it has certainly thrown up um, further headaches in regards to internationals for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, just how is the Tasman Cup shaping up? Is that actually gonna go ahead? No, it's not. There's just been an announcement this morning
1: to say that it will be rescheduled, um, particularly given that the trans-Tasman bubble no longer exists. To have to have athletes quarantined for 14 days before they can play, and then 14 days quarantine on return, it just wasn't feasible. I would suspect that they would probably keep the international window open probably until early December to try and get that Constellation Cup underway, given that there were already talks around a quad series um, towards the end of January next year in the UK, um, and that would feature Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and England. So in order to give the athletes um, a considerable break from uh, training to ensure that those athletes Um, weren't going to have their Super Netball season pre-season interrupted, which would start around uh, November, December, Um, they're probably going to have to be a little bit more flexible over the coming months to try and see if they can actually pull this Constellation Cup off.
0: Okay. And there's been a big push, well, since the conclusion of the Olympics for netball to be part of the Brisbane Games in 2032. Um, What's that all about?
1: Oh, well, I guess there's been um, some discussions that have happened for quite some time now between world netball and the IOC in in regards of having netball being included um, as an Olympic sport. It's It's been a Commonwealth game sport um, since 1998 for a medal in Kuala Lumpur. That was the, f- the first time a medal was on offer. It was a demonstration sport in Auckland in 1990. Um, but there's certainly been a lot of agitating around... Um, including netball and given that it's it will be in australia in 2032 in brisbane that has certainly ramped up um from my understanding of what i can grasp around protocol and process with the ioc the decision regarding adding a new discipline to the existing um structure within the olympics usually occurs around seven years out from the olympics so Whilst people may think that they have until 2032 to wait and see whether the netball is actually added to the disciplines um, or to the events list, um, it's more looking likely around 2025 or 2026. And then a little bit further along from that, we'll understand if it is accepted as an Olympic sport, um, what that competition will look like. Will it be Fast Five? Will it be traditional netball? Will it be for men's, women's and mixed? Or will it be one or only two of those three? Um, So there's a little bit of work to have to get done in quite a short space of time, particularly given that um, there's a new Super Netball um, CBA that's just been announced and a five-year broadcast deal with Foxtel and KO, and that Sydney are hosting the um, Netball World Cup in 2027 and potentially Victoria hosting the Commonwealth Games in 2030 as well. There is certainly a lot to juggle over the next four or five years.
0: Excellent. Now, uh, obviously the, the Swifts, I think, won the Netball Grand Final. So congratulations. They did. Congratulations to them. Uh, is it a first ever uh, All-Sydney Grand Final?
1: It is. And in fact, it's only the second um, state versus state final that we've had in, I think, 20, what is it, 25 years of uh, a domestic league in Australia, although we did have nine years of, of Trans-Tasman with New Zealand between 2008 and 2016. We, we include that given that there was the five Australian teams. The only other time it was state v state final was in 1998 between the Adelaide Thunderbirds and Adelaide Ravens. So it was certainly one for the ages. It was um, a a a, a match fitting of a grand final. Um, And the Swifts really held sway for the majority of that game. I think the Giants only led for about 47 seconds of game time. So um, the Swifts are now back to, or not back to back. They're the second team to win two Super Netball titles after the Lightning won the first two in 2017 and 2018. And given the list, um, and the experience that is within within the core of that group, there is certainly a um, possibility for them to claim another title or two over the next couple of years.
0: OK, so 770,000 people are reported to have switched on to the grand final on TV over over the duration. Uh, I'm not sure whether that's a reach figure. I don't think it's an average figure. Um, TV ratings in general, another 6 million for the year, so another good year for netball.
1: Yeah, it is. And they did kick off quite well on the back of um, the end of the ANZ Championship. The average across um, that season was 74,000 for the last year in 2016. For the first year of Super Netball, it was just over 6 million. Um, That hit a peak of 6.73 million in 2018, just under 6 million in 2019, just over 5 million. So quite a reduction last year. Um, for 2020 when the whole season was um, condensed and played in that hub in Queensland and then six million again this year. But that grand final figure of 770,000 is the the lowest um, reach for a grand final figure of the first five seasons of Super Netball. There was some that said that because the Giants were playing in the AFL final um, at a similar time to that, to that Super Netball grand final, that that may have pulled some viewers away. But to have dropped... 160,000 viewers on the grand final last year between the Vixens and the Fever um, is probably a little concerning. So I am wondering um, what Super Netball has up its sleeve uh, in terms of, of fixtures for next year, particularly with probably some greater flexibility with Foxtel and KO. And it also may have been the fact that the grand final was played on a Saturday afternoon instead of a Sunday afternoon that may have also meant that there was a reduction in viewers this season.
0: Yeah, so they've been with five years for this uh, Nine and Telstra TV partnership. They were on the ABC before that, were they?
1: Uh, they've had many providers. on the ABC for the Commonwealth Bank Trophy between 1997 and 2007. Then there was um, One HD and Foxtel through, I think, the first few years of the ANZ Championship. Then it went to SBS for a year and then back to Channel 10 for the last two years of... Um, the ANZ Championship in 2015 and 2016. But it actually cost Netball Australia through their partners um, to broadcast um, the ANZ Championship on Channel 10 in 2016 at a loss of $2.6 million. So the Super Netball deal for the first five years with Channel 9 and Telstra was really groundbreaking in the fact that Channel 9 and Tulsa were going to be covering the costs of, of broadcast, and it was a profit-share deal with Netball Australia. So Netball Australia, for um, quite some time, were had the potential to, to make some money on this broadcast deal for the first five seasons of Super Netball.
0: So, it, I mean, it's worked out financially for them. Has it worked out as an exposure for them?
1: It probably depends who you ask. I'm I'm adamant that Nine did not use and Telstra also did not use their full complement of assets to really leverage against um, bringing to light and, and gaining more viewers for Super Netball. You look at social media and Wide World of Sports, they have 1.2 million followers across their social media platforms. And it was... Few and far between the times that they would actually use those assets to elevate Super Netball as a product um, and advise people that this is what you could, um, when you could watch it, um, what had happened on the weekend, even when we were in a hub last year. And from memory, this is something that happened right from the very start, that Nine Nine Netball um, and their social media accounts would actually only display results of those games that were shown on Channel Nine. Telstra didn't create any assets for Super Netball specifically, their marketing, their advertising in and around netball, um, I don't feel actually reached those who play the game. And I think that there was some big missed opportunities for Nine to really um, engage uh, the playing netball public and increase its appeal to ensure that those who were casual netball fans were actually going to tune into the sport. Um, you just need to look at rugby and cricket and tennis and all of those other, you know, big sports um, that take up a lot of space um, within night and their stable house. Um, and then look at Super Netball by comparison at the amount of exposure that they received through, you know, podcasting, through radio, through newspapers, and then even through, you know, sports segments um, at, for Channel 9 at, on every Saturday and every Sunday. There were some weeks where Super Netball wasn't mentioned, and I find it incredibly um, frustrating as a Netball fan. And it and it simply doesn't make sense from a marketing perspective that you are you are essentially paying to broadcast this sport, but aren't doing enough to leverage your existing assets in order to grow that sport further. So, I do wonder what the Netball Australia board. Um, made of Nine's efforts in that regard and whether that was one of the reasons why they saw some greater flexibility and options in going with a new broadcaster in Foxtel.
0: It is a common complaint, actually, amongst people that are broadcast by Nine these days. Rugby League, in particular, has gone after them for their lack of exposing their bigger sport. Uh, So it is an interesting time. Is there any concern at all that going to Foxtel will reduce the amount of exposure that netball actually uh, has to the wider public, because that seems to be what happens when sports go to pay TV. You get more money, but you lose the wider audience.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a catch-22, and, I, and I, I hope there have been lessons learned from the previous broadcast deals with the ANZ Championship. The fact that um, fans of Super Netball will get to watch two games of netball free every week on KO Freebies, plus every Australian Diamonds match, Outside of, um, I would assume, the Commonwealth Games next year, because that would have its own broadcast deal in place. So, we're talking things like the Constellation Cup, the Quad Series, um, you know, a test series um, like the Roses that are due to take place um, next month. Um, things like that will become a free view. Um, but then you will need to pay something to watch uh, the other two games on Foxtel or KO throughout the Super Netball season. Now, whether there is a, a, a super netball pass or a netball pass like we've had with um, the netball live app through Telstra where you, can, where you only have access to netball. And that is then something that international viewers are able to also purchase and stream super netball on. That hasn't been disclosed as yet. But putting two matches behind a paywall when you were looking at um, having sport on Foxtel where it cost you to, to own the basic package plus then a sports package in order to access netball you're looking at $70 a month. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that the average netball fan is gonna be looking at spending $70 a month for you know a, a minimum term contract with Foxtel in order to watch four months of netball for the year. I don't think that's plausible. So I am interested to see um, some further explanation in and around what uh, this is going to afford netball fans. The other thing that Foxtel have said they are going to do is create netball shows Um, in and around the sport. So something for Super Netball, hopefully something um, that is a little bit more analytical that we can have um, some greater discussion in and around stats. We know that there's going to be um, those those Super Netball matches that are broadcast ad-free. Does that mean that the timeouts are going to now be removed from the competition? There's a little bit of unknown in and around um, what Foxtel are actually going to put together for netball. And there is no commentary team that's been assembled as yet either, so there's a, a, a bit of a wait and see in and
0: around that as well. So the the deal's for five years, um, and I guess this has enabled them to sign the new CBA that's just uh, been announced, which is also yeah. also very good for them. A minimum wage of forty three thousand a year that's that compares really well with everybody else. I mean, it's streets ahead of everyone else.
1: It does, and and really, when you look at what happened. Again, with the last year of the ANZ Championship, that minimum wage was thirteen thousand dollars. For the first season of Super Netball in twenty seventeen, it was twenty seven thousand dollars. So to think that it's um, increased by fifty percent on that in five years is quite significant. Um, and now with this new um, broadcaster with Foxtel, also where the salary cap sits at around nine hundred and fifteen thousand dollars, the total player salaries will be played by will be paid by the league or Netball Australia, rather than the league paying a certain amount through that, um, the existing partners, and then the clubs having to top it up. So it's the first time that the clubs actually don't have to worry about um, finding funds through partners to make up the rest of the salary cap. So it is quite significant. Um, Also for training partners to have that increase um, from two and a half thousand dollars, I think it was in in 2017 to $5,000, it's it's not enough, really, when you're talking about training partners who will play state league and then are still expected to train um, with their super netball clubs. There has been discussion around um, increasing the player benches from 10 athletes to 12, which is what we have seen um, really uh, until 2017. But it is something that um, New Zealand have adopted as well through the ANZ premiership. And unlike what we see in international netball, where we have 12 athletes, But I have also done some analysis on the minutes that those athletes actually receive um, outside those ranked 1 to 80, which you would assume generally would be those who are your 80 contracted athletes across the eight Super Netball clubs. And across the last four seasons of Super Netball, those athletes who get court time outside of those top 80 are only averaging 39 minutes a season or 2.8 minutes a game. So for me, from a financial point of view, I don't see how a club or the league can justify adding two extra players on the bench at $43,000 as a minimum. And they're only ending up on average seeing 39 minutes of court time across the season. So I think the balance is right. Um, And when one of the um, aims of Netball Australia is to ensure that super netball athletes are the highest paid domestic athletes in the country or it's the highest paid domestic league in the country obviously with international athletes as part of the competition as well there needs to be an understanding that you can't have one or the other you either have to um, have a a bigger um, broadcast deal and bigger sponsors to come on board to make up that extra money or those existing (laughs) athletes need to take a 15 percent pay cut and i highly doubt that that's something that they would want to do so um, the balance is right, I think, with having 10 athletes um, per team contracted um, and certainly having more money in the in the kitty for these athletes um, at a, an average at around $91,000 per player is quite significant.
0: Okay, the, the talk in uh, many, many sports at the moment of the A-League, or the W-League is now expanding out to its full... Uh, complement of teams, I believe. Uh, The NRL has just expanded out by three teams. The AFL has just expanded again to uh, include all of its teams in the AFLW competition. Is there any any scope for expansion on the Super Netball horizon?
1: Netball Tasmania, um, I believe, over the last six months or so, have um, made it known to Netball Australia that they are intent to... Um, or or wish to add a team from Tasmania for the 2023 season. But given that the new CBA has just um, been released and only covers the next two seasons, I highly doubt that that would um, include scope for adding a ninth or then a tenth team to Super Netball. I do wonder whether they will want to add um, teams in multiples of two, if that's to be the case. And if so, where does that other one come from? Um, It's quite expensive to, to be able to run a Super Netball Club and then for Netball Australia to also find another $915,000 on top of that for the salary cap for that new team or, or you know, double that $1.83 million for two teams. So um, there is certainly interest out there to expand the competition when and how that happens. I think it's quite clear that it's not happening um, over the next two, two seasons. Um, the in, other interesting thing about Suncorp coming in as... Uh, or carrying on their sponsorship of Super Netball and various other elements of of what happens within Netball Australia, um, including Netset Go, um, at the grassroots level, is that the press release um, mentioned that they were re-signing for up to the next five years. So I wonder if there is a clause in there in and around um, a, a possible expansion, or whether Suncorp are expecting an expansion or are against an expansion, if it's going to cost them more money, um, there's a there's it's a, a bit unknown I guess um, whether there there will be an expansion at some stage. I think I think fans are, are certainly keen to see another team. They certainly think that there is um, scope within the player pool that exists. And given that the Australian Netball League, the underpinning league for Suncorp Super Netball, no longer exists, it's been replaced with a week long tournament, the Australian Championship, which won't run this year due to COVID. Um, I think there is an appetite for um, for more Australian elite athletes to to um, to have an opportunity within um, super netball, and so we may see um, some clubs in the future. But I don't think that's going to happen in the next two seasons.
0: Cool. Um, just for those of us that are a little bit behind on on netball things, why? With the ANZ Championship, obviously, there were teams from Australia and New Zealand. Why is New Zealand not involved in the Australian domestic competition as they are in, say, the W League and the uh, NRL?
1: Well, I don't know how best to describe that relationship with um, uh, New Zealand during the Trans-Tasman competition. It was it was frantic. Um, I understand that there was um, a desire for there to be a New Zealand element, and I think it was one team to, add, to come into Super Netball or for the um, ANZ Championship to continue with only one or two New Zealand teams. And New Zealand were adamant that that is not something they wanted to do. So um, uh, they pulled the pin really, given that Sky um, Sport in New Zealand were by and large funding a large proportion of those salaries during, during that competition. Um, they were quite happy to go it alone. And it has taken New Zealand and the ANZ Premiership now um, probably until this year to, to really hit their stride. I think the fact that their BCO league, their underpinning league is becoming stronger and stronger um, and is getting more uh, recognition um, and coverage in New Zealand is something that has helped. I think Nolene Torua coming in as Silver Ferns coach um, and certainly who, someone who's had a greater view and understanding of high-performance sport, um, there's been greater buy-in from those ANZ premiership coaches in into wanting to increase the professionalism and the standard of that league Um, whether we see something in the future where we have a combined australian new zealand and uh, australian league in the future i don't really know that that's something that either party really want anymore i think it served um, a purpose to an extent Um, but there's uh, an um, entertainment value in super netball that um, netball really wants to to push Particularly in terms of needing to uh, keep a foot with the likes of rugby and tennis and and cricket and um, those codes that are really dominated by male participation, um, and I think New Zealand are really quite content given that they have now got the Constellation Cup um, in their in their trophy cabinet. They've got the Netball World Cup in the trophy cabinet, and Nolene Torua has said the other week that she's going for gold um, at the Commonwealth Games next year in Birmingham. So. Um, given that that is working for New Zealand at the minute and and the systems and and the processes that have it are working for them, I don't think that they would be looking to combine again with um, Australia anytime soon.
0: Now, lastly there were some comments I was reading the other day from uh, someone in Nepal. I can't remember who exactly talking about uh, Nepal not just being for women and aiming at men as well. Uh, how, how is that how does that go at the grassroots like uh, yeah
1: um well having been a member of the australian men's and mixed netball association executive um and and now um working in the victorian men's and mixed netball association um i understand that there is certainly um some pull from um, the female members under netball australia to better engage um, with the male members under amna's banner uh to further facilitate opportunities for boys to play netball, which is fantastic at the minute, depending on your association around the country, uh, boys can be limited in playing up to the age of only about 12. Um, so between then and then playing for your your state under the Amna banner, um, there is a, a five year gap. And so there is really a need to um, provide opportunities through clinics, um, through a junior M league or a junior competition in those states under the, under the Amna banner. To, to show boys that, you know, there is a pathway for them if they do want to play netball at the elite level, um, according to Sport Australia's latest um, play participation data, there are around 110,000 boys and men that play netball in Australia. But if you looked at those, um, those members under Amna, you're only looking at a couple of hundred players who are playing through their, their junior M league, through their M league. And through their state pathways, so it's really about making those associations far more visible with the support of those female members, um, and then those male members ensuring that they are well equipped to, um, you know, provide space and opportunity for as many boys to play netball and men to play netball um, as possible. And there are also athletes who are, you know, non-binary and trans as well who um, need to be afforded space to be able to play under under pathway as well. Um, and Speaking from my experience in netball, um, there is diversity across um, religion, across ethnicity, across sexuality um, in that space, um, and it's incredibly welcoming. So um, I would I would encourage you know if there are any boys out there um, wanting to to see where where netball can take them, um, that there is a, there is a place and a space for them. It is a user pay system at the moment. Um, it it costs to you know for court hire for umpires um, to play for your state to play for M League. It is run as an elite social competition at the minute. Um, given that there is you know a lack of sponsors and a and a lack of backing and a lack of money in men's netball. Um, but in order for netball as a sport to grow, I do think there needs to be um, greater involvement um, and and men's netball seen as an asset to to netball as a whole.
0: I just—I know I said that was the last question, but I just thought of another one uh, just before we go. Being, being uh, this is a Big Footy podcast, one of the th- comments we uh, see in Big Footy in terms of development from time to time is the relationship between uh, football and netball in Victoria and Southern New South Wales where uh, a lot of the clubs are both football and netball clubs and the perception that the spread of women's football may threaten netball or netball the other way. H- How that partnership work for you? Oh well,
1: I mean, first and foremost, you know, sports um, like that and, and clubs and associations—they um, are the backbone of communities, first and foremost. And and so, simply being able to have an opportunity to play sport in your community, I think, is really important for a number of reasons, for for kids in particular. Um, and I I do genuinely believe that Netball now sees um, AFL in particular as a threat. Um, to, to netball, and in fact, um, Marina Go, who's the Netball Australia board chair, didn't say. Oh, I said not too long ago um, that in order to have the best at the top in the diamonds, you need to have the biggest participation pool at the bottom, and it's like a funnel. So netball really has its work cut out, in particular, um, in and around ensuring that netball is remains the sport of choice for women in particular, um, and that they do not lose too many athletes um, to AFL. W, um, how that is placed at the minute, um, in terms of the the spread or athletes choosing one or the other, I don't have you know enough information on that t- to make a judgment call, um, but it, it is something that netball is aware of um, and he's going to have to keep an eye on moving forward. All
0: right, well, I think that about wraps up anything I've got. Is there anything you want to add about netball? or?
1: No, I think I covered off every single point that i had written down just
0: in case <laughs> i know i randomly threw some stuff at you that we didn't talk about earlier but i do greatly appreciate your input this afternoon um i hope people that are listening to this have found it as educational as i have uh, i've been talking to michael hutchinson uh former nine data analyst for netball thanks very much thank you and we'll catch you all next time